Awesome, awesome. And today is about serving. Today is about serving, so today is about uh, getting involved with the, with the Dream Team, and I'll share a little bit about that with you. And, and uh, you, you need to consider that. And this afternoon at 4 o'clock is uh, 401. It is the time that you can meet with the skippers of all of our teams. We have 10 teams around here. We don't just we don't you know we don't just have this team you see on Sunday morning that's worshiping. We got a lot of people that work behind the scenes, getting all this kind of stuff ready. Uh, the, the people that put together those videos and things and uh, worship and kids and uh, uh, the uh, Wow team and Care and Reach and and uh, missions and prayer and uh, small groups and I'm sure I forgot one of the ten, but uh, maybe I'll catch you at the next. So uh, you know you need to consider that. And I, I'm going to share that with you in the message this morning. Also, uh, you know, just, just I want to mention just a few things. This is uh, this 12 sermon series that we're doing right now is all about making the very m- most of 2012, uh, taking full advantage of it, 2012, doing everything you, everything you possibly can to make the most of your life this year. And there's a lot of things happening right now in this first month of the year for you to do that. And, uh, and one of those, Britton just talked to you about 30-30, let me encourage you to uh, go on the website, sign up, just, uh, you know, let's get a big, huge crowd, make sure that we've got everybody involved, 30-30, we're going to begin Wednesday week, February the 1st, so it goes from February the 1st to March 1st, that's 30 days because this year's leap year, so you got 29 thrown in there, so the 30th will be on March 1st, so, so we got that going on, small groups launch next week, you saw the Financial Peace University, uh, and I was just, as I saw that guy... Uh, cut up his credit cards. You may think that's weird or strange, but man, there's a, they've got a pile of credit cards from last year uh, when they did financial peace and uh, people that cut up their credit cards last year. And uh, there is a there is a, a preview, a, a video preview this afternoon after the second service downstairs in the kids' church area. And if you can't, I know you're in the early service, so if you can't make that, or you want to talk to Bradley, see Bradley or Kristen. Bradley's the the guitarist with glasses, you know, stands over here. Okay, so he, he's here. To, oh, he's, he came back in. He's back there in the corner. You can see him about that. So a lot of things going on, and all of these things are to help you make the most of 2012, okay? So uh, this morning, the, the message is about, uh, it's about serving, and uh, I chose the title, It's Your Serve, and we're going to have a word of prayer in just a moment, but I chose the title, It's Your Serve. Any tennis players around here? Any, not, no tennis players? Nobody plays tennis? Any, anybody own a racket? Yeah, I got two rackets in my basement. They haven't seen the light of day in about, uh, I don't know how many years. I, I, I took tennis in high school. We didn't have a, a team where I went to high school. And then, then uh, when I graduated high school, I took it in college. They had a team in my college, but I wasn't good enough to play on the team, so I just took the classes. So I, I know a few things about tennis. Let me tell you this about, about, about tennis, because a lot of people think all you do is you throw the ball up there, you know, and, and when you're serving, you just got to get it across the net into the square. There is so much more involved. If you know what you're doing, I mean, you know, if you're just out there once every five or ten years, you know, you might just be trying to get it over the net. But if you ever watch tennis, realize that every game, uh, the server has at least four serves. Okay, so it's not just a one-time thing. And uh, there's going to be six, at least six games in every set and at least two or three sets in, uh, in every match. You're going to have that, it, you know, if you're playing that way, especially in, you know, in competition, in tournaments, those kinds of things. So you get a lot of opportunities to serve. And so here's what it becomes. It becomes like a chess match, okay, because as you serve, you know, you're, you're thinking about, you know, you don't serve your very hardest every single time. Sometimes you're setting the other player up for the next time. And sometimes, you know, you want to you get the guy out of position, you know, by, by serving really hard on one line so you can get him out of position because you're going to charge the net, you're going to try to... So you're setting, here's what I want you to understand about that. It's your serve. You know what that means? 
That means it's, you know, the ball's just not just in your court, the ball's in your hand. And you get to set up what's going to happen in, in, in this next thing. I know there's a lot of things happening in your life that you have no control over whatsoever. There, you know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff happens. But you get to choose. When it's your serve, you get to choose how this thing's going to begin, and you set up even some of the reactions coming back. What I'm telling you is that, you know, this is early in the year still. I mean, we're, we're four Sundays in, but, I mean, it's only the 22nd. This is early in the year. You still have a lot of opportunity laid out ahead of you that you get to choose how it's going to happen. So choose. Choose wisely. As you, as you decide where you're going to make your very first play in, 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 the, in this serving of this year, as you decide how you're going to make your very first play in, in prayers, we talked about uh, last week, and we've got this promotion coming up. As you, as you make your decision on how you're going to make your play, and, and understand this, just like in tennis, you're going to have a lot of service opportunities throughout the year. And what are you going to do with them? You know, some of you are going to foot fault, step on the line. And you know what? You, and actually, you know what happens if you stand there too long? Actually, you lose the point if you don't serve. You can have a lot of service opportunity, and it's your serve, so you get to choose. I want to talk about that this morning for just a few moments. Have, have a word of prayer with me, and let's uh, jump into this message. Father, I love you, God. I thank you, Lord, for uh, everything that you've done for us, bless us with, God. Uh, thank you, God, for uh, the opportunity, Lord, to serve you. God, that as Second Chronicles 29, 11 says, you have chosen us, God, uh, that we're, we shouldn't be negligent. We, we shouldn't ignore it. We shouldn't uh, back away, but God, we should be forward in, in going out after you and finding that place that you've called us and gifted us to serve. Lord, I thank you, God. It's, God, it's such an honor, Lord, to not just, not just be a part of your church, but God, to, to, to know that you've chosen us to do something powerful and wonderful in your kingdom. Lord, I pray, God, that you, you challenge uh, us, every one of us, Lord, as we, as we uh, listen to this message. God, I pray, Lord, to, that, our Holy, uh, that the Holy Spirit will, God, uh, touch our spirits, God, that there will be a connection there. God, we will hear what you're saying, not to a group of people, but what you're saying to us individually, e- each each one, God, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so let me ask you this. About a month ago, you know what happened about a month ago? You know what big day was on the calendar about a month ago? Yeah, Christmas. Y'all still paying the bills, right? Y'all to remember that one. Christmas. You know, and, and somebody tell me, what was the present you got at Christmas that made you that, just made you so excited, made you, made you the happiest. Anybody? Anybody? I started to lean over here toward the, toward the teens, you know, a little bit. I thought they probably, you got, what was it, Justin? A, a what? A record player. LP kind of stuff? You actually asked for one of those? Well, I got one of those, but I didn't think anybody younger than me wanted one of those. Didn't know you had anything to play it on. And it made, you, made you happy. Did anybody else get anything that made you just excited and happy at Christmas? A new wedding band. Oh, that was a, made you really happy, doesn't it? You know, I, we really want to be happy, don't we? But let me ask, let me ask you this question. Uh, let me ask you this question. What was, what, you know, that, those kinds of things that people give to us, they have the opportunity to really make us happy to receive something like that. But what makes you more fulfilled? What gives you greater joy and enjoyment? What will you remember more the rest, or the rest of the year? Receiving a great gift like that or giving a great gift like that? What really fulfills you? Yeah, I, I, I'm assuming Matt gave you the, the wedding band, right? Yeah, okay. You know what? And, and you, get, you get to say it and bubble over with it, but Matt gets to sit there and say, yeah, that was me. <laughs> and you get that fulfill. So here's the question. How many of you want to be happy throughout 2012? And how many of you want to be fulfilled throughout 2012? If you just want to be happy, here's the way to do it. 
Just keep coming to church and saying, okay, God, what have you got for me today? But if you want to be fulfilled, say, God, what have you got for me that I can do for you, for your, your, your family, for those hurting ones out there that don't even know they, they belong to you, that they're made in your image? God, what have you got for me to do for you? That's the thing that's going to fulfill you, okay? Now, let, let, me, let me set it up a little bit more like this, this way, is that in every, every church, there are three kinds of people, every church. There are the doers. You know what the doers are. They, they're the people that make things happen. Thank God for doers. And then there's the watchers. You know what they do, don't you? They watch the doers make things happen. You know, and, and, and here's something i got to throw at you. If you, if you, if you, you may be a watcher right now because you just kind of walked in the door just a few weeks ago or something. You're kind of still watching, trying to figure out where you, Okay, that's fine, but don't, don't stay a watcher because here's what's going to happen. Here's what happens to watchers every single time. They eventually, they get irritable. They, they start complaining. Things aren't like they ought to be. You know, and, and here's one of the quotes. This is a crazy quote from a watcher is they like to say, well, that's not the way I would do it if I was doing it. And I want to say, well, then why aren't you doing it, you know? But that's what happens to watchers is they get irritable, they get, they get, they get uh, ornery, you know, and, and uh, you know, their family don't like being around them anymore, their church don't like being around them. That's what's going to happen if you stay a watcher. So don't, don't be a watcher. But there's a third group. You know what it is? I used this about three years ago. It might have been too long, right before our launch, I think. I used this about three years ago. You know what the third group is? Goobers. You know, doers are making it happen. Watchers are watching them make it happen. And goobers, they ain't even got a clue anything's happening. You know, so don't be a goober. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't be a goober. Don't be a goober. Don't at least know that something's happening, okay? Because if you don't know anything's happening, I mean, God can't even convict you that you're still a watcher, okay? So, so please don't be a goober. Let, let me lay it out for you just a little bit more. You see, we're all having church today. Right now, we're all enjoying having church. You know, the music was great this morning. You know, the, the video was really cute and helped us see some of the things that were going on around the church, some places we could all get involved and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, you, know, you know how this happened is because there have been some doers, there have been some doers moving tables and setting up chairs and straightening them up. There's been some doers that, you know, have been, have been checking on the supplies, making sure, you know, like the, the giving envelopes are fully supplied or there are enough diapers down in the nursery or, or getting the umbrellas out because there's a chance of rain again today or, or, or rehearsing or creating or preparing and pulling all of this together. The doers, that's why we're having great service. But the watchers, be careful. Don't become a watcher because eventually what you'll find yourself doing you know, it's, you know, like one of the other things that the doers do is they make coffee and make it early. You know, it smells good when you come in, in the door and all that. And if you're not careful, you become a watcher. You stay a watcher too long, and you'll start just complaining. You'll say, you know, those people come into the late service. They always get to the coffee before we get our service dismissed, you know, in the early service. And then the goobers, they say, we got two services? <laughs> you know? So don't, don't, don't be a watcher or a goober, Okay. Uh, you know, or, or small groups. We've got small groups coming up. You know about them? And you know what the doers are? You know, let me tell you what the doers have already done. I saw, I saw it last night. I saw it yesterday. They've already started putting it. The doers, they've already got their small groups lined out. They've got the day picked out. They've got their curriculum ready. They've got a cool name, something to, to really get you excited. They are ready for the small group lunch. Uh, launch, not lunch, I'm sorry. The small group launch next Sunday. They are ready for it. It is ready to go. But now the watchers, you know, they're looking around seeing that, you know, they say, well, you know, I, I, okay, and they don't want to commit. Watchers don't want to commit. So, but don't be careful you don't become a watcher because, it, here, you know, here, here's the thing. It, it, don't become a watcher that says, well, I'm not going to commit because I'm going to wait and see if something else better comes around on Thursday night or Friday night or Saturday morning. Don't be a watcher. But then the goobers, they say, small groups, when did we start those? You know, that's, what a small, that's what a goober thinks. So you can't think those kinds of things. You can't be that kind. 
I want to encourage you to become a doer. Don't become a watcher. Become a doer. Don't, don't become a goober, definitely. Either. Pay attention. There's a, there's a lot of stuff going on around here besides. You, you, you think these people just showed up this morning and started singing? No, there's a whole lot of other stuff going on. So let's, let's lead into that for just a few moments. Let's go into this. And, and, and here, here's the truth for you, okay? And this is way too long probably for you right now, but this is the truth anyway. Is that you will never be fulfilled in your life until you begin fulfilling what God has dreamed you would become in other people's lives. Okay, let's let that sink in. Let's, let's look at that just for another moment. You will never be fulfilled in your life until you begin to fulfill what God has dreamed all of your life that you would become in someone else's life. You're not going to be happy. You, you know, you can come down front. We can pray for you and, and pray that God grows a money tree in your backyard. Anybody want to get in line? Amen. We can pray God grows a money tree, but you are not going to be fulfilled because you have a money tree in your backyard. You can pray that God replaces all those bad friends that you've had for the last 10 years with the best friends in the world, but you're still not going to be fulfilled. You will not be fulfilled until you fulfill the purpose for which you have been put on the face of this earth. I mean, doesn't that make sense? And so here around 2911, we understand that. We understand that you're not going to be fulfilled with that. And that's why things around here, we're just, things are just a little different around here. I mean, the 2911 way of doing things, I mean, our plan is that everyone is involved. We expect everybody to be involved. And, and we say this from time to time. I hadn't said it in a little while, so let me say it again. I'll tell you this is, is that six months from now, you're still attending this church and still sitting on just a chair on Sunday morning. You're just coming in and sitting. And you're not doing anything for God, not reaching. Then we will have failed you. I mean, it is, it, is, it is our job, it is our heart, it is our desire. We understand this one thing, this one thing. We understand that you, you are gifted. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, you are gifted? Help me out there. You are gifted. And that's why our way of doing things is to get everybody involved. And, and listen, you might have been to churches where, where only 20% of the people did 80% of the work. You ever been to one of those? We've repealed that rule around here. I mean, that's a rule pretty much in just about any church. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. We've repealed that rule. We, we want 80% of the people. And actually, here's our goal. We've set the goal at 70% right now. Is that 70% of those attending our church on a regular basis are involved and in, in members of the dream team. And you know why? Because they're all gifted. And what happens when you've got a lot of people sitting around as watchers? I've already told you. What happens? They start complaining. You know, it doesn't sound as good, you know. Well, if, you know, if he would hit this chord instead of that chord, we'll get up there and show him how. You know, next Thursday night at, at worship team practice, to help, you know, connect with uh, Jamie over here and say, hey, you know, I got some things to offer. You know, that, that video was hilarious, but it had been even better if that, and I, I, don't tell us that. Get involved. Show us what you got because God has put something awesome inside of you. The youth group, man, it's doing well, but it could really even do better if, 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 you know, it could do better if JC had help like you've got inside of you. If there's something inside of you that is showing you that, that, that makes you say, this could be even better, that something inside of you is the gifting that God has given you, and you're miserable because you're not fulfilling it. You might be happy today or happy tomorrow or happy a few weeks down the road, but you're never going to be fulfilled. You're never going to be totally fulfilled. And you know what's going to happen? Eventually, let me tell you what's going to happen. Eventually, you're going to leave 2911. You're not going to be happy here because you're not going to be fulfilled here. You'll have moments of happiness. You'll have weeks of happiness, but you will not be fulfilled until you decide. And you, you can bounce around church to church, 
But you need to find it. As we talked about it the past few weeks, you need to find that place where you belong. Put your feet down and say, this is it. And start fulfilling what God has called you to be. Let me show you an example in, in, uh, in Scripture. It's a parable that Jesus told, and Jesus told a lot of parables. The difference in a parable and a story is the story is completely true. A parable is something that you make up to illustrate a point. This was probably a parable, which makes it even more powerful to me. I know a lot of times we say, well, that, you know, that true story makes it even more powerful, but not to me. In this case, it being a parable makes it even more powerful because Jesus is the one telling it. And he picks all of the facts of this story, and he does it on purpose. And, and, and I, I go back to it so many times and just, I, this story, I just, man, I just pick out, it's, it's like a treasure chest. It seems like every time I go back to this story, there's another little treasure, a little nugget of gold in there. Man, I didn't see that before. But it's not by accident, like a true story is most of the time, but it's by design. Jesus designed this story to teach us a lot of things. And this story, we, we normally call it the parable of the Good Samaritan. There was, a, there was a man who was traveling, he was on a journey, and he got beaten up he had all of his stuff stolen from him and and the thieves that robbed him beat him up even stripped probably his clothes off of him they threw him and in my minds I always see him in a ditch because I guess because we got ditches everywhere here in Alabama I just always see him in a ditch next to the side of the road and they, they left him side of the road bleeding they just left him there to die and a priest came by and a Levite came by and they got to remember this is that Jesus is choosing who came by this is not true this is, this is a purposeful story. And Jesus chose two people that were at the temple. He chose a priest and a, and a Levite. He said, and he said, they came by, and you know what they did? They didn't have time to stop, or they didn't want to stop. They passed by on the other side. Of, they saw him over there, and they passed by on the other side of the road. They saw it. They, it looked bad, but they, they just kept on going. Maybe they were too busy because they had to get to the temple. When we're too busy to get to the temple to help people that are in need on our way to the temple, then something's not quite right, is it? You know, I, you know, I mean, if, if, there's a, if there's a lady broke down, you know, got a flat tire next Sunday, you pull up here, you know, and she's got a flat tire, you can't say, hey, I, I'll see you at 1 o'clock, but I got to go in here and I got I to gotta help us or I got to help people get in. No, no, you know, no, what, here's what I, I encourage you to do. Come over here and get me and let's go out and help that lady change her tire because that's what the purpose is. So, so Jesus lays all this out. He chooses all these things. I don't have time to tell all those things, but... Let's get to the good Samaritan because, because that's the important part. And then a Samaritan. Now, he chose a Samaritan. Now, here's, here's the point here. Samaritans, they are not connected. Okay, by him saying this is a Samaritan, he's saying that this man was not related to him. He wasn't even friends with him. They don't even like each other, Jews and Samaritans. They don't worship in the same way. I mean, not, there was no connection. There's no reason whatsoever. The Samaritan's not running for president, so he's not going to go over there and, you know, kiss his baby on the forehead and shake his hand and make him a whole bunch of promises. There's no connection whatsoever when this Samaritan happens to come down the road. And here's the story. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. See the word came? He came where the man was. He didn't pass by on the other side. He didn't say, look, I got too much to do. But he went to where the man was. He came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he saw him. Okay, there's some very important words here I'm going to bring back to you, back to you in just a few moments. He saw him. He, he, he saw him over there. But there's a difference in seeing and really seeing. Okay, and we're going to see that he really saw him, and he took pity on him. Uh, one of the other, uh, one of the other translations says he t- had compassion on him, and he went to him. So he came to him, he saw him, he took pity on him, 
and then he went to him. Now, wait a minute, he already came to him, but he went to him, okay? So that's, that's kind of why, you know, I see this picture of the, the ditch on the side of the road. Like, he, he came to the side of the road where he was, but then he went to him like he went on down in the ditch, too. You know, it's like there was, there's another step of coming closer. And he bandaged his wounds. He bandaged his wounds. He wrapped, wrapped, his, wrapped his wounds up, pouring on oil and wine. Now, uh, you, you might think, well, it would have been better, you know, if he'd have had an ambulance that day. Well, there is no better EMT in all of, the wor- all of the land during this time than this guy who is bandaging his wounds and pouring in oil and wine, probably the very best medicine that could have been found within 10 miles around, pouring it in. He was taking care of him. He put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. He put him on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and, and took care of him. Uh, and go ahead to verse 35, and it said, and it said you know, that even after he got him to the end, he took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, or two coins, and he gave them to the innkeeper. He didn't take them out of the, the, the man who had been robbed, didn't take them out of his pocket. He took them out of his own pocket, gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. And so what is this Good Samaritan's name? Anybody? It's not given, is it? Didn't have one. I mean, he's a, it's a parable. It's not a true story. He didn't have a name. So, so what do we call him? We've got, we've got one thing to call him. We don't, we don't know his family name. We're not going to call him by his family name. You know, you know, not Donald Trump's son or anything like that. We, we, we don't know anything about, you know, what kind of job he had. You know, we don't know if, if, if he was a janitor. If, we don't know if he was a manager. We don't know if he was a sales associate. We don't know if he was a CEO of a big corporate. We don't know what he was. All we know about him is this one thing is he was a Samaritan, and he was good. That's what we call, he was a good Samaritan. I mean, that, that's the only thing. We, we, we know him not by his name and his title. We know him by what he did. You remember what Jesus said? You remember how Jesus said people would know that we were his disciples? You remember what he said about that? How will people know? Because we come to church on Sunday? Because we pass people who are broke down on the side of the road and say, well, you know, we'll see you later? Because we, we're, we're too busy doing God's work to help any of God's children. How do people know that we are his disciples? Anybody? That we have love for each other. That's what Jesus said. That is the thing that will let people know that you are my disciples is when you have love for one another. And how do they know that we love each other? Now, this is not a Valentine's Day sermon, so I'm not saying because we, 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 we kiss each other on the cheek or hug each other or give them a handshake or, or, or send them a card or we, 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 you know, we uh, post some real sappy stuff like Britton and Haley were doing yesterday afternoon because she just couldn't stand to be around, away from him any longer. That's not how they know that we love one another. They know we love one another because they see how we treat one another. Because we're, we're there, because we're, we're willing to get Okay, so, so here, how do, how do we know that he's a good... What are the things that, that, that qualify this, 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 uh, this adjective that calls him good? The Samaritan that is good. And the first thing is, is that he was there. He was present. He was connected. You want to know how to serve out there in the community? Listen, then connect. So, you know, start taking the walls down during the week. You say, I, I just don't know how to reach. I don't know how to help anybody. Start taking the wall. Reconnect. What this good, it, it said he went, he came. You remember me showing you those two words? He went, or he came, and then he went. I mean, it's like he, he came, and then he went. It's like two steps of it. And then he took the man. I mean, he, he took the man himself. He didn't call a taxi. He said, hey, take him to an inn. 
He took the man. He was connected. And then even when he got to the end, he was still connected. And he said, I'm coming back tomorrow, and he's still connected. You want to know the first step in serving and being able to reach somebody and doing something good for somebody is you got to connect. Be there. I mean, not just, you know, not just in body. Be there in spirit. So when you hear somebody talking at school or when you hear somebody talking at work or standing in the line at Walmart, you got to be there. You know, let Jesus be Jesus in you right in that moment. You got to connect. He connected. And, and, and then secondly, he was present, and then he, then he noticed. Okay, there's one, it's not just seeing, but he, he, he was seeing. He, no, he took notice. He saw this man, and then he took, he took notice, of, and he had pity or, or, or had compassion on him. He, 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 he took pity on him, or he had compassion on him. That, that's what the word's there. He took pity on him, or he had compassion on him. That he didn't just see the, the struggle, but he, there was something that, that clicked in his heart. He said, i got to do something about this. You know, one of the problems here in our country, in our society today is, you know, I, I heard somebody say this. Man, it's been several years ago now. I don't even remember how many years. But he says, we have lost the ability to blush in this community, in, in our society, in our culture. We've lost the ability to blush. And I want to add to that, we've lost the ability to cry. Remember when you used to cry when you, used, when you would see things on the news? I mean, how, how, many, how many more four and six and eight-year-old little girls and boys do we have to find where their bodies mutilated, taken by many times someone they trusted? How many more of those do we have to find before we break down and cry? Some of the, I can't even read, I have to stop. We saw the commercial came on the other night. Dave and I were watching TV late the other night. A commercial came on, and it was it was just about something like this. And David said, "I don't think I can watch this." If, you know, when this comes on TV, she said, "I don't think I can watch that." There's some of those I can't watch, but you know, some of them we're, we're, we're kind of uh, getting used to. It's like our, our minds have been bombarded with this for so long. How long has it been since you cried over someone else's needs? Thank you, Britton, for saying that this morning. How long has it been since you prayed seriously over someone else? You want to learn how to serve somebody? Then ask God to let your heart break again when you start seeing, seeing a story on the news of, of some baby that you've never even heard of that's been abused and been killed by somebody that they trusted and they knew. Ask God to let your heart break. Ask God to let your, your, your dry eyes begin tearing up and crying again for the people in your community not just, the, not just the ones that live with you, not just the ones that you share a last name with, but the people in your community that are struggling just to get through in a day. You want to know how to serve? Then start noticing somebody is struggling and they need some help. And that was the third thing he did, is he did something. He did something. You know what? Sometimes I don't have anything I can do much, but I do something. And you, know, you never know when, 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 you're, when you're in struggle. Isn't, when, you're, when you're struggling, sometimes it's just good to have just, just somebody show up. Just have a phone call. When somebody says, what can I do to help? And you can't think of a thing that they can do. And then all of a sudden, maybe they, they show up at your house with, you know, a, a big basket full of sandwiches or something. Or they show up at your house and because you've been sick, they cut your grass. Or, 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 or they show up and, and they want to take you to lunch just to lighten your day and, and actually buy your lunch. And those little things mean so much. 
he did something. You know what? He, look, look at what he did. He went to him. He, he bandaged him. He, he poured in oil and wine. He did something. He took this man. He did something. He, he didn't just say, you know, uh, I think it's James that talks about this. And he said, you know, it's not enough to just see somebody that is cold and say, oh, be warm. Take your coat off and give them a coat. How many, let me ask you, how many of you have too many coats? I mean, I got too many coats, I, and I can't throw them away. They, this is it's going to be weird to you. Some of them have sentimental value. <laughs> because, you know, they got those logos on them back when I was, you know, regional youth director in the Great Lakes. You know, I, I can't throw that away, you know. I, I threw one on last night. You know, it, I've been hanging on to it. Hanging on. I decided to finally get rid of it last night. I walked outside, and I got on a T-shirt. I grabbed it again, and there it was, and it had my first priority logo on it. You know, I, I, can't, I got so many coats. You know what? I think God would judge me if I were to see somebody that didn't have a coat and I'm standing there. I got so many coats. We don't even know what to do with all our coats. I mean, I got, it is winter, right? It's winter, right? January 22nd. It is winter here. Of course, you can't really tell it by the temperature outside, but it is winter right here. And you know what? I don't even have all my coats out. What in the world am I doing with so many coats? I am so blessed and there's somebody out. There is no way. Jesus is telling us, or the word of God is telling us, if you see somebody that's cold, don't just tell them be warm. Give them a coat. Buy them some firewood. Do something for Find something that you can do. You have something that you can do. And here's what you've got to realize. Just like in the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus is making the story up, but he's making it up on purpose in this way. The Samaritan just happened to come by the man that was in need. He was the third that had come by, but he was one that just happened to come by. And you know what? I don't believe there's a whole lot of accidents. I don't believe there's a whole lot of coincidences in the will of God. God orchestrates things. If there is somebody in need in your life this week, it was not an accident. If there is somebody in need, if, you, if there's somebody that you work with that has a need, that it was not an accident that God put you in their life. You say, well, I just happen to work with them. No, you don't just happen to work with them. You're a child of God, and God has gifted you with certain things and abilities and, and just, just a way about you that you can bless somebody like, you, like nobody else can bless somebody. And, and when, you, when you see that need, you, you need pay attention. Open your eyes. Take notice. Have compassion. And say, God, what can I do for this person? And allow God to do that. And the last thing is that he was selfless. Selfless. Where did he get the oil and the wine? Convenient, not the convenience store across the street. He didn't get it from anybody. It was his own oil and wine. You know, don't pray for God to, to send you somewhere to do something nice for somebody and then ask God to find somebody to foot the bill too. No, God's giving you the opportunity. You've you got too many coats. Go ahead and give somebody a coat. I ask you how many of you had too many coats. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you ate too much this past week? Don't, don't raise your hand. You got too much food. I don't think there's a person sitting here right now that could say they didn't have more than enough food this week. Mom, uh, Dava was talking about she went to her, her mom, see her mom this week, and her mom's uh, just moved into a nursing home, and she said she, said she and the, the lady in the room where they were talking about, uh, they couldn't believe all this food that this nursing home is throwing away every day. Now, you've got to understand, they came through the Great Depression, you know, and all that, but they're looking, they're looking at this, uh, and they can't believe all this food that is being thrown away. And you know what, you and I, it is second nature to us. I mean, we're building mountains out of our, out of our trash and our garbage. We've got so much. There's not a one of us today that couldn't give away a meal 
There's not a one of us today that could not write a $20 check and buy a gift card for a family in need that we work with or we go to school with. There's not a one of us that couldn't find some way to do something like that with somebody. He sacrificed. He was selfless. He took his own oil and wine. I don't know what he was going to do. Maybe he was on his way to, to meet his sweetheart. Maybe it was almost Valentine's Day there too. And maybe he was about to cook her a, a gourmet meal. You know, he had the wine and he had the oil, you know, and he was on his way there. But, all, but he, all of a sudden, he had something come up that was more important than the date he had for the next few moments. I don't know. He, he probably had a plan for that oil and wine, but that, that's the selfless part. You see, it's not very selfless if I reach into it, and I did this one time. I, I remember there was, it, it was snowing in Mobile. Now, when it's snowing in Mobile, it's cold, you know. It was snowing. We were pastoring in Mobile and had a man knock on the door and he said, he said buddy, I, I'm trying to catch a, catch, you know, I'm thinking, okay, he wants some money for the bus. I'm trying to catch a bus and he said, man, I'm about to freeze out here. I just wondered, do you, do you have an old coat or something? You know what I did? I reached in the closet. I had too many coats. I pulled out that one that I was given for a Christmas present several years ago that was that hunter's orange. You know where you can wear a hunter's orange coat? In the woods, and that's about the only place. I'm not talking about a camouflage. When I'm talking about it, was, it was University of Tennessee orange from the top to the bottom. I, you know, and I, I've been hunting about five times in my life. And I looked at that coat, and I said, I ain't never going to use that one again. I grabbed it and said, what about this one? He said, he said, man, and he put that on. He said, I just, it was thick. It was good. He was glad to have it. He didn't care about the color. It was going to keep him from getting running over while he was, you know, standing there waiting on the bus probably, you know, whatever. But you know what I was thinking? I, you know, okay, here's some time for confession. You know what I was thinking? Mm, which one am I not going to use? There's no selflessness in taking what I'm going to throw away and giving to somebody that's in need. This man was selfless because he took something he had planned for something for himself, his oil, his wine, his two denarii, his coins, and he took and he used it. You want to bless, you want to minister, you want to serve somebody, then become selfless. He took the man out of the ditch and he got him up and he put him on his own donkey. You know what that meant? That meant he had to walk. He didn't plan on walking. He had a donkey. He planned on riding all the way to wherever it was he was going, but he put the man on his donkey and he had to walk. That's what he was selfless in all of these things. Let me tell you, here's what you're going to have to do. Here's what you're going to have to do. If If you're going to be fulfilled this year, 2012, in serving, you're going to have to make some room to do it. You're going to have to make some room in your budget. Most of us, we are, so, we are mortgaged to the hilt. We got so much debt on us and we got so many places that our money goes. If God told us to write a $50 check, most of us would, ooh, I got to go back home and rework the budget, find $50. That's where a lot of us are. You need to make some room in your budget so God can use you again. I mean, I, I, believe, I, believe that is, I believe that is one of the reasons the devil has us. I mean, he, he is rejoicing in the fact that Christians are so tied up in their finances, they don't even have a way for God to use them. I believe the devil is using them. You need to make some room in your budget. You need to make some room in your time, your schedule. One of the reasons you, you can't stop. And listen, and I'm not saying, saying you've got to stop on the side of the road because that's a dangerous thing these days. I'm not saying that, but it's, it's a good illustration. That you can't stop on the side of the road like the Good Samaritan because you've got too many things to do. You've got too many places to be. And I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about just you single moms that have five or six. I'm talking about, I'm talking about you teenagers. You've got too many things to do to stop and help somebody. Amen or oh me. You know it's true. 
Single adults ought to have more time than anybody else in the world. You ain't got a wife to, or a husband. You ain't got kids you got to worry about, you know, and you've, you know, especially if you've moved out. I mean, you ought to have more time. You know what? I look around and I see, I see there's some of the busiest people. And you know what? Satan is using that against us. God can't say stop here and help this person for a moment. And I'm not saying just fix their car. I'm just saying just stop for a moment and give them some of your time because we're too busy. Everyone, you need to make some time. You need to make some space. You need to build some margins in your life. So it gives God opportunity. Uh, and you need to do so emotionally. I mean, most of us, we're too drained emotionally. By, you know, by the time we've put up with the bad boss at work, by the time we've, we've put up with paying the bills, and by the time we come home and, you know, and the wife tells us about how bad the kids were, you know, and, or, or, we, or we go pick them up at daycare and the daycare director calls us into the office you know, and tells us about you know, a couple more times of this and they won't be able to stay you know, or you get a call. For, I mean, by the time you are so emotionally drained, if somebody calls you on the phone and says, hey, I need help, you ain't got time. You haven't got time. You haven't got money. And you haven't got anything left in your heart to give. We need, you got to make some room. The people who serve are not the people with the most money or the most time. The people who serve are the ones who have made room, made space for the people around them. I want to encourage you this year. Be fulfilled. Not happy. Be fulfilled. Oh, fulfillment take you a lot farther down the road. There's a lot of days I ain't happy, but I'm fulfilled. You understand that if you've never if you've never learned the difference, it'll be an epiphany to you. And here's how it's it's your serve. You get to choose today. You get to choose this week. What's your week gonna be like? You want it to be happy? It's gonna be gone by Thursday. You wanna be happy tomorrow? It'll be gone by Thursday. You wanna be fulfilled? It's your serve. Stand with me. Come to the front. Let's close. Come on. Give you some homework if you want it. Something to study this week. One scripture. Jesus says, seek first. Got my scripture for me? I told him I was going to work this in somewhere. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. What things? That's your homework. I dare you to get your Bible out. Look at Matthew chapter 6 all those preceding verses leading up to that, and find out what things he said will be added to you when you seek first his kingdom. When you don't come to church with a, I want to be happy, God, what have you got for me today attitude, but you come to church and you wake up every day with a, I want to be fulfilled. Show me what I can do this day to be fulfilled and make a lot of other people happy. When you get that attitude, then all these things are going to be, what things? What things? That's a challenge for you. Matthew chapter 6. Look back and you'll see. It's the things you need. I want to tell you, I want to tell you what. It's everything that you need. He says, seek first. Don't seek yourself. Seek first. Now, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me bend the rule today. We normally ask people not to come to 401 unless they were been to 301. I won't bend the rule today because I'm preaching about service today. If you've never been to 401, I don't care if you've been to 301 yet or not. I want you to be here this afternoon. Because you need to find a place to serve. And all the serving isn't done like right here. There's a whole lot more of it that needs to be done up there. So I encourage you to be here. 401, 4 o'clock today. Connect. Find a place. I want, I want, to, I want you to ask God in this, in this prayer right now. I want you to ask God, God, where can I start making some time? Where can I start making some room in my budget? Where can I start making some room in my, even in my emotions? Even in, even in you know, the, the, 
the things that I have out of my where can I start doing that I want you to ask God to, do that, to teach you how you can do those things and then I want you to ask him to open your eyes don't be like the priest and the Levite let me tell you something just because you get paid doesn't mean you're a minister just because you get paid doesn't mean you're a minister I think that was another point Jesus was making with the priest he put the priest and the Levite in that story to say just getting paid to be a minister does not make you a minister somebody's quick tweet that just because you get paid to be a minister doesn't mean you're in ministry there's a whole lot more people Ask, ask God to open my eyes. Don't let me be like a priest or a Levite. So focus on my thing that I get to do at church that you can't use me to be somebody else. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, I love you. Lord, I thank you. Jamie,